Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kehud, Malkuto, Le'olam va'ed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, April 13th. We are rapidly approaching the time of Passover, which occurs this year on sundown, April 14th, and goes into April 15th. In studying the Passover and Egyptian redemption, we need to keep in mind four important principles. It is both an historical and prophetic event. The events that happen to the forefathers prophesy what will happen to their descendants, to us. It is a deliverance from Egyptian bondage, And this is a picture of our deliverance from spiritual bondage. As it is written in 1 John 3, verse 4, How is it that we get into bondage? We get into bondage when we sin. Whoever commits sin transgresses also the Torah, for sin is the transgression of the Torah. Passover is a picture of deliverance from bondage. Egypt is a place of bondage. Egypt is a type of the world and the world system. Trusting in Pharaoh represents serving the gods of this world. Yeshua is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yeshua is our Passover Lamb. Historically, the blood of the Lamb was to be put on the doorposts. There is going to be a judgment upon this world in the end of days. If you don't have the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of your heart, you will face the judgment that comes upon this world. The blood of Yeshua redeems us from sin. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Pesach, and it means Passover. Exodus 12, 33-40 The Egyptians urged the people on, impatient to have them leave the country, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls wrapped in their cloaks upon their shoulders. The Israelites had done Moses' bidding and borrowed from the Egyptians objects of silver and gold and clothing. And Hashem had disposed the Egyptians favorably toward the people. And they let them have their request. Thus, they stripped the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkot, about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. Moreover, a mixed multitude went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, 
that they had taken out of Egypt. For it was not leavened, since they had been driven out of Egypt and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The length of time that the Israelites lived in Egypt was 430 years. Joshua 7, 16-9-2 Early next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and the tribe of Judah was indicated. He then had the clans of Judah come forward, and the clan of Zerach was indicated. Then he had the clan of Zerach come forward by ancestral houses, and Zabdi was indicated. Finally, he had his ancestral house come forward, man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerach, of the tribe of Yehuda, was indicated. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, play honor to God, the God of Israel, and make confession to him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hold anything back from me. Achan answered Joshua, It is true, I have sinned against Hashem, the God of Israel. This is what I did. I saw among the spoil a fine shinar mantle, two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing fifty shekels. And I coveted them, and I took them. They are buried in the ground in my tent with the silver under it. Joshua sent messengers who hurried to the tent, and there it was, buried in his tent with the silver underneath. They took them from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and displayed them before Hashem. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, son of Zerach, and the silver, the mantle, and the wedge of gold, his sons and daughters, and his ox, his donkey, and his flock, and his tent, and all his belongings, and brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, What calamity you have brought upon us! Hashem will bring calamity upon you this day. And all Israel pelted him with stones. They put them to the fire and stoned them. They raised a huge mound of stones over him, which is still there. Then the anger of Hashem subsided. That is why that place was named the Valley of Achor, as is still the case. Hashem said to Joshua, Do not be frightened or dismayed. Take all the fighting troops with you. Go and march against Ai. See, I will deliver the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land into your hands. You shall treat Ai and her king as you treated Jericho and her king. However, you may take the spoil and the cattle as booty for yourselves. Now set an ambush against the city behind it. So Joshua and all the fighting troops prepared for the march on Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 men, valiant warriors, and sent them ahead by night. He instructed them as follows, Mind, you are to lie in ambush behind the city. Don't stay too far from the city, and all of you be on the alert. I and all the troops with me will approach the city, and when they come out against us as they did the first time, we will flee from them. They will come rushing after us until we have drawn them away from the city. They will think they are fleeing from us the same as last time. But while we are fleeing before them, you will dash out from your ambush and seize the city, and Hashem your God will deliver it into your hands. And when you take the city, set it on fire. Do as Hashem has commanded. Mind, I have given you your orders. Joshua then sent them off, and they proceeded to the ambush. They took up a position between Ai and Bet-El, west of Ai, while Joshua spent the night with the rest of the troops. Early in the morning, Joshua mustered the troops. Then he and the elders of Israel marched upon Ai at the the head of the troops. 
All the fighting force that was with him advanced near the city and encamped to the north of Ai with a hollow between them and Ai. He selected about 5,000 men and stationed them as an ambush between Bet-El and Ai west of the city. Thus, the main body of the army was disposed on the north of the city, but the far end of it was on the west. This was after Joshua had spent the night in the valley. When the king of Ai saw them, he and all his people, the inhabitants of the city, rushed out in the early morning to the meeting place, facing the Arabah, to engage the Israelites in battle, for he was unaware that a force was lying in ambush behind the city. Joshua and all Israel fled in the direction of the wilderness, as though routed by them. All the troops in the city gathered to pursue them, pursuing Joshua. They were drawn out of the city. Not a man was left in Ai or in Bethel who did not go out after Israel. They left the city open while they pursued Israel. Hashem then said to Joshua, Hold out the javelin in your hand toward Ai, for I will deliver it into your hands. So Joshua held out the javelin in his hand toward the city. As soon as he held out his hand, the ambush came rushing out of their station. They entered the city and captured it. They swiftly set fire to the city. The men of Ai looked back and saw the smoke of the city rising to the sky. They had no room for flight in any direction. The people who had been fleeing to the wilderness now became the pursuers. For when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city and that smoke was rising from the city, they turned round and attacked the men of Ai. Now the other Israelites were coming out of the city against them, so that they were between two bodies of Israelites, one on each side of them. They were slaughtered, so that no one escaped or got away. The king of Ai was taken alive and brought to Joshua. When Israel had killed all the inhabitants of Ai who had pursued them into the open wilderness, and all of them to the last man had fallen by the sword, all the Israelites turned back to Ai and put it to the sword. The total of those who fell that day, men and women, the entire population of Ai, came to 12,000. Joshua did not draw back the hand with which he held out his javelin until all the inhabitants of Ai had been exterminated. However, the Israelites took the cattle and the spoil of the city as their booty in accordance with the instructions that Hashem had given to Joshua. Then Joshua burned down Ai and turned it into a mound of ruins for all time, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai was impaled on a stake until the evening. At sunset Joshua had the corpse taken down from the stake, and it was left lying at the entrance to the city gate. They raised a great heap of stones over it, which is there to this day. At that time Joshua built an altar to Hashem, the God of Israel, on Har Eval. As Moses, the servant of Hashem, had commanded the Israelites, as is written in the book of the teaching of Moses, an altar of unhewn stone upon which no iron had been wielded. They offered on it burnt offerings to Hashem and brought sacrifices of well-being. And there, on the stones, he inscribed a copy of the teaching that Moses had written for the Israelites. All Israel, stranger and citizen alike, with their elders, officials, and magistrates, stood on either side of the ark, facing the Levitical Kohanim who carried the ark. Half of them faced Mount Gerizim, and half of them faced Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of Hashem had commanded them of old, in order to bless 
the people of Israel. After that, he read all the words of the teaching, the blessing and the curse, just as is written in the book of the teaching. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua failed to read in the presence of the entire assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the strangers who accompanied them. When all the kings west of the Jordan, in the hill country, in the Shephelah, and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea up to the vicinity of Lebanon, the land of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites learned of this, they gathered with one accord to fight against Joshua and Israel. Luke 16, 1-18 And he, Yeshua, said also to his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said to him, How is it that I hear this of you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you may be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord takes away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his lord's debtors unto him and said to the first, How much do you owe to my lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill, write four score. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say to you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than for one tittle of the Torah to fail. Whosoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whosoever marries her that is put away from her husband commits adultery. Psalm 82, 1-8 God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. 
all the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, You are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Proverbs 13, 2-3 A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. He that keeps his mouth keeps his life, but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Exodus chapter 12, and then we'll jump into Joshua 7 through 9. And where I want to zoom in on in Exodus chapter 12 is verse 38. I'll start with verse 37. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkot, about 600,000 men on foot aside from children. Moreover, a mixed multitude went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. So I want to zoom in on that. Mixed multitude, what is that? There were Egyptians that came with them who saw that the God of Israel was with them and They wanted to follow this God of Israel. So they went with them and they left Egypt. So basically the principle is this. The Torah is for all nations and all people. It is not just for the Jews. And in fact, when they end up going to Mount Sinai later on, and Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, he's giving the Torah to this mixed multitude. A little further on in this same chapter, Exodus chapter 12, verses 49 uh, to 50, it says this, There shall be one law or one Torah for the citizen and for the stranger who dwells among you. And all the Israelites did so as Hashem had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So there's one Torah for the citizens of Israel And back then, it wasn't just Jews. It was all 12 tribes, the descendants of Joseph and his 11 brothers, all 12 tribes. Judah is only one of those 12 tribes, and Judah is the Jews. But there was Zebulun and Naphtali and Ephraim and and all these other tribes as well. So the Torah is for all people. It's for Jews and non-Jews. Now let's jump forward into Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 8, verse 33, well, let's start on verse 32. There on the stones he inscribed a copy of the teaching, that is the Ten Commandments, that Moses had written for the Israelites. Verse 33, all Israel, stranger and citizen alike. In other words, of the twelve tribes, and then there were strangers um, um, in their midst, strangers, people who were not of the twelve tribes. All Israel, strangers and citizens alike, with their elders, officials, and magistrates, stood on either side of the ark facing the Levitical Kohanim, who carried the ark. Half of them faced Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing. Half of them faced Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of Hashem, had commanded them of old in order to bless the people of Israel. My friend, we are grafted in. And the covenant that God made with the children of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai, the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that covenant 
is in place for you and me. We are grafted in by faith into the olive tree called Israel. There's wild branches and there's the natural branches. The natural branches, could you could say, is the southern kingdom, Judah, the Jews. And the wild branches is the northern kingdom, the non-Jews, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. And we are included in that covenant. We are included. So we also see in these chapters that we read in Joshua how Achan was found out, that he had stolen some of the booty from Jericho. And um, Joshua had them come forward first by tribes and then by clans and then by ancestral houses. And then finally Achan is singled out and Achan confesses and tells the truth about what he did. And then Achan is stoned. And so that, I would have to say, I'm sure, put the fear of God into the camp. It kind of reminds me of the, the story of uh, Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira. And they tried to hide the fact that they had kept back some of the offering that they were offering. They lied about it. And God found them out. And they both dropped dead on the spot. And so this thread of fearing God and not worshiping any other gods, but worshiping only the Lord your God, the God of Israel, and not letting idols of the heart trip you up and stumble you, um, not letting money or booty or material possessions, worldly things, be a stumbling block to your relationship with God the Father. That comes forward also in our reading from the New Testament from Luke chapter 16. And in Luke 16, it is written in chapter 16, verse 13, No servant can serve two masters, for he, he either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon or money. So we have to love God with all of our heart, and we cannot let money, wealth, resources, uh, 401ks, equity in a house, um, large sums of investments, we can't let that be a stumbling block to our walk, to our love for the Father. He goes on to say, Yeshua says this, um, and the Pharisees are there listening. And in verse 14, it says, the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. They are covetous. They covet. And in verse 15, Yeshua says to them, you are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Now that's something to ponder, to consider and to reflect upon. What is highly esteemed among men today? A huge reputation, infamy and fame, a vast fortune, a vast empire that you've built, uh, maybe the fact that a person is an elder or a leader on their church congregational leadership team, so that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. So we are to be humble, hidden 
What we do, we do in secret, quietly, that no one sees it except God. And then verse 17, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the Torah to fail. That's huge. That's saying that the Torah is everlasting, it is eternal, and every single letter, every single jot, every single tittle has weight and value and meaning and purpose and will be fulfilled if it has not already been fulfilled, or it can be fulfilled multiple, multiple times. The Torah will never, ever pass away. Heaven and earth may pass away, but his word, his Torah, will never, ever pass away. His word is eternal. It is going to be there a thousand years from now, 10,000 years from now, a hundred thousand years from now. And so this is something that is everlasting. It is eternal, eternal treasure. And every time we take the time to dig into his word, to study it, to reflect upon it, to pray into it, to take it into our spirit, um, we're basically digging for treasure. We're taking in God's treasure, his thoughts, his mind. And it's it's makes us fat in our spirit. It makes us wealthy and rich in our spirit when we take in his word. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.